Welcome to Reality Bites. This is Desley Casey, uh, your host, and and today we are talking about the floods, the recent floods in the Sussex Inlet area on the New South Wales south coast. Sue and I have titled uh, this episode as the Sussex Inlet, the forgotten New South Wales rural south coast town. So that's, and we're going to have, and I'd like to uh, welcome, we have Nikki. Hello. uh, A resident of of Sussex and heavily involved in the community in the area. We have Ray, who is an ex-disaster recovery coordinator or manager. Is that right, Ray? Recovery support officer. Recovery support officer. So she knows all a lot about you know disaster recovery from the trying to bring in the services etc. And we have Sandra, who's uh, the president of the local chamber of commerce, and from what I understand has a uh, a lot of fingers in the pies around the community Sussex Inlet community area. Would that be right, Sandra? That sounds right. Sometimes I don't think I have quite enough fingers, really, to fit the pie. um, Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful community and I like to give back and make a difference to where I live. So, yeah, Yeah. like Nikki. Nikki's got as many fingers in pies as well. Absolutely. (laughs) Your your pies are bigger than mine. (laughs) Welcome back. In part one, we left a discussion with Sandra discussing Shoalhaven Council's response to the recent floods in Sussex Inlet and the need for a more tailored response to local communities throughout the Shoalhaven region. In part two, we pick up the discussion with Ray discussing the types of services and supports that are or need to be available to residents in Sussex Inlet when a disaster takes place. I want to bring um, Ray in here. Um, as an experienced uh, disaster recovery support officer, um, what sort of services mm-hmm. and systems or uh, that you, you believe should be available for people to access like in the Sussex Inlet area, have you got any uh, ideas or strategies that you put forward to people? And I think Sandra hit the nail on the head is in having their recovery and resilience team ready to go, having all the knowledge and having all the supports in place because, you know, previously that's what they do. So in, in my previous role in another um, LGA, that's what happens. You know, there is a... An, an official evacuation centre set up. The Red Cross come in, they set up, they do they do what needs to be done. They start to take information, they're communicating with, um, with the residents in the, the local area. Um, and working with Resilience New South Wales about preparedness, you know, the, the conversations are happening now, but they're not happening fast enough because of the weather events that we're having. We're having, you know, storms, tornadoes, hailstorms, floods, fires, natural um, you know pandemics all back to back to back to back and I think it's just very overwhelming for all those organizations to start getting it ready and I think they need to start talking to the community um, to ask 
for assistance. And what sort of mm. services are available once the initial aspects of the disaster have uh, been I've done. They're, they're gone. Like the floods now okay, have so, gone. So, yeah, so you, you Red Cross come into your evacuation centre and they su support everybody while they're at the evacuation centre. Everyone goes home after that. Then you've got your council recovery officers, generally, in your, your local council areas. And every council area works differently. Mm -hmm. um, but you've generally got um, recovery support officers um, that are at community centres um, that can assist people. All of the charities, um, you know, your Vinnies, Red Cross, Salvos, who have I forgotten? Anglicare. Yeah. Um, they're, they're all there with services available, but not every area has all those services. Yeah. But Service New South Wales do have recovery officers set up on their emergency phones to be able to give people the information of where to go to. And Nikki, I'm going to bring you here in for a minute. Yes. Uh, having been, uh, oh, I've been in the area for seven years. You've been in the area for 17 years. Um, have you seen or witnessed any of those, uh, you know, the services that Ray has just been talking about that enter after the initial disaster is uh, happened in the Sussex Inlet area in any sort of uh Really, um, if we take 2017, that was a major flood for the area. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not too sure about to the 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 floods in 17, but I'll go to the 1920 bushfires. Yeah, which, um, again, because it the it was so widespread and um, like these 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 flood events. Um, from one in one end of the state to the other, and then up further north into Queensland. Um, so, with the fires in nineteen, it was known for quite some time that we were going to have a fire, that it would would be a bad fire, and yet, and it was known by the government, it was known by the council and various other agencies within that, within there that scope um, and yet everyone was taken by surprise that's that's what they have said which is again um, understandable in that the extent and the scale of it was something that we had never experienced but when the when the fire did impact on Sussex Inlet and it had had a a, um, a bit of a an impact on Sussex Inlet a couple of times before the um, end of the year and then in, into the beginning of the year when we were without power for four days. Um, so the, our local Red Cross were not able to make a call about the RSL becoming uh, an evacuation centre. Um, and this is um, uh, some sort of bureaucratic process and so that created all manner of problems. Um, and then we, of course, were out without power and communication for four days. So despite the scale that we'd never seen before and the extent of the damage that, was, that occurred, we knew that something 
significant and serious was going to happen. But we weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing is, and I'm going to bring it because I was interested, I have seen an email from Services New South Wales or whether it was on Facebook that they are coming to the bowler, the bowling, local bowling club, um, I think one day next week to try and find or try and work with people, residents in the area that were uh, flood affected. And it's the other thing I'd like to touch on before we get to other strategies is insurance. Mm-hmm. And well, may we laugh. I live in an area, look, it would take a Chisami to flood my place, okay? Yeah. Uh, because of where I live at Kadmira. It literally have to be a Chisami. But as a matter of, like I do every time there's a disaster, an imminent disaster, I look at my insurance. And wonders upon wonders, I am not covered for flood. And yeah. So it appears to be done by, from what I can work out, correct me if I'm wrong, it's done by the insurance companies do it by postcode Um, rather than actually by topography of the actual area. Mm. Um, So there'd be, and I'm not affected by flood, so there'd be a hell of a lot of people in Sussex who are either paying through the absolute fortune for flood cover or actually just cannot get it, particularly in uh, Wanda Avenue and all those regular roads, River Road, uh, Fairview, as we've talked about, uh, all those areas that regularly flood, uh, et cetera. But from what I can work out with my insurer, um, I'm, I'm just simply not covered for flood. What about other people? Uh, look, I, I, as I said, I have had no trouble having getting flood coverage, mm. but it's because um, it's my house is not at risk. So I actually have some flood coverage, but not um, because, but, but my house doesn't flood. I have a flood inundation, and a lot of the water that actually comes from my block is actually not from the inlet. So a lot of the water that actually comes in from the back is is actually everybody else's stormwater heading down to the river. So we have equally a river from behind as well as an inlet. So we have so a lot of the properties on River Road get uh, affected a little bit at the front, but it'll probably stop, you know, once you got to about your front, your fence, and then but then we have it come back from the back because it's where we're obviously lower down from the town and the water. And on Thursday. It was literally a you know river coming in the back. You could see it had had a it had a um, current. Actually, I was watching it come through Fisherman's mm. Paradise, and I'm like, look at that! It's got a bit of a current, a bit of a turbulence coming out. So I think it does depend on the history of your property. So people in in Wanda Avenue, I know, have no flood coverage. If your property is down low, if your property is up higher, and you've not had water in your house, you are still able to negotiate decent flood coverage it's really about the history um although you know i'm sure people in lismore thought that too um but mm. but we are a different flood event than an inland river so it is difficult for people i think who who live um you know in certain areas of sussex where they've lived for a long time um but and because there's no mitigation strategies put in place because we're so late getting a flood plan because there may be some opportunities for 
um, a little bit of uh, flood mitigation, a small, um, especially behind the Wanda houses, um, a small levee bank put at the end of the Paradise Crescent Reserve where the water actually comes out of Paradise Crescent Canal and comes straight through the back of everybody. So it wouldn't need to be a big flood wall, but there are mitigation strategies. I've lived in two areas that flood Bathurst and Molong, and there are a lot of things that can be done to, to help just mitigate damage. It's not going to avoid it, but it, it can assist it. Um, things like making sure our drains are always completely cleaned out regularly with maintenance. Our drains are not completely, um, don't have a cyclical maintenance. Um, we even had floods in summer because the, the um, drain in the middle of our main car park behind the supermarket had not been cleaned out for over, I don't know how many years. The pump had given up. And so we had major flooding all through the Christmas peak period where people couldn't park all the way through the summer. Um, and now after a major flood, there's no water in that car park because they did come along finally and check the gutter and the, and the drain and realise that it was completely blocked up. Um, so we didn't have a flood in the summer, but we had a little bit of rain events. So what we need is really good cyclical maintenance on all of our drains. You need things to be done properly so that water can get away quickly you know, by having proper flood channels that also helps to get the water through. So there are things you can do so that when you had a flood afterwards, um, but we've had nothing happen in Sussex to prepare the community or look at how we could recover quicker. Um, so that's, and really I think the chamber, we, uh, our local councillor, Patricia White, is putting a, no, uh, a, mo a notice of motion up this week to ask for an urgent meeting with council and emergency services in Sussex to review how we went after the flood and to try and identify six improvements that we could put in place quickly that could just make it better so that next time we have an East Coast low, which could be next week for all we know. So we can't wait for a flood plan to be published or we need to just have some practical things put in place quite quickly so we are hoping that that might um, help us to have a meeting. And we don't want to be criticising the council. Together, we want to work in partnership. We want to have those improvements identified. And then we want the improvements to be put in place quickly. Yeah. And I'm not talking about major infrastructure. I'm not talking about major things. They're minor improvements that could just make a difference. Yes. And I want to pick, uh, bring in um, Nikki and Ray just for a minute. Are you guys covered with flood insurance or are you guys not covered? Um, when we purchased this property, um, it was identified um, through the, um, uh, you know, application to get the insurance that we were in a flood prone area. So it doesn't necessarily go by postcode because if you looked at the postcode of 2540, um, it's a it's a large area, yeah. so it actually looks goes more by your address, and and their system must be able to, you know, is programmed to recognise that these are flood areas. Um, so we we have um, uh, flood insurance, um, but you know, fortunately, we are we are still high enough that actually it wouldn't really impact on us unless we had something like you know 2015 um then that could be a, a different story um but 
you know, we, we've learned from this and as prepared as we were, there are more things that we could do. We probably would have liked to have had more sandbags, but by the time we thought, yeah, look, maybe we should get some more, we couldn't have got out to get them. Mm. So, um, uh, you know, as I said, that just means that the next time we'll be even more prepared um, so that we can, you know, reduce that that potential for for, for damage. Yes, yeah, and make have to make a claim. Experience is a good teacher, but it, it's a hard master, isn't it? Yes. Uh, what yeah. about what about you, Ray? Where you are at Badgie? I'm I'm actually in a bushfire prone land. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, not, same not, here, not, but I'm covered for bushfire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, I, so yeah. So the, the the New South Wales government have a planning portal that um that you can identify what your land is, and that's how they they work out what uh, ah, what right. cover. So that's how they do have. It. So they put your address into a into a planning portal, and yeah. it'll come up and say yeah. you're in you know what uh, Aboriginal land you're on, what your prone land is, um, whether it's environmental, whether there's um um you know, habitats, fauna, mm. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, right. It's really quite simple to, right. to assess. Yeah. Okay. And um, we've been, you know, you've been talking about different things that can be can be done. Um, I don't know if anyone saw the Red Cross telethon last night. Um, to be honest, oh, I was on, tele about it. on TV. Yes, yeah. on three channels. Well, from what yeah. I've heard this morning, they raised 23 or 25 million. million. But I also read an article in the Sydney Morning Herald this morning where more money has been raised very quickly before that telethon um, via GoFundMe type pages mm, okay. that, that people are more liable to um, donate to people they know or, mm. you know, they know who are directly impacted, could be family, could be friends, friends and family, of family and friends, etc. cetera. Uh, Ray, when we were talking, you were talking about Give It. Uh, do you want to give a little bit more of an idea about that particular platform? Um, and, you know, my experience working as a recovery support officer, we've worked really closely with Anglicare, Salvation Army, Red Cross, Vincent de Paul. Again, I feel like I've missed somebody. Um, <laughs> and and but they've been really um, amazing. You know, the money flows into the community. Uh, we've seen a lot of money going out to the people that were impacted. So I was working in the bushfires in the 2019-2020 after Black Summer, um, and more recently with the um, mini tornado hailstorm that happened in the Wallandilly. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the, the funds are there. Unfortunately, there is always going to be those people that um, don't believe that it's really getting out there, but there's also those people that are very putting in fraudulent claims in the beginning, which give everyone else a bad name. So they yeah. start using up money, yeah, which has an impact on their reputation. Um, but Give It is an amazing organisation that was, I believe, initially funded through the New South Wales government. And if you, you look them up, it's a, it's a great platform. So you can donate time, money, goods. Please don't donate 
clothes don't just send it randomly. I worked in the Lismore yeah. floods back in 2015. Um, and we had a warehouse, which was an old master's warehouse. If you remember master's hardware, yeah. that was floor to ceiling and probably two lanes of a road of clothes that was just going to go into landfill. Yeah. Because people were just donating and donating and donating. And I truly believe in my heart of hearts that if you've been impacted by a disaster, you deserve the dignity of choice. Yes. Yeah. Whilst I'm very grateful initially on that first night when I fleed with nothing to get a pair of secondhand boots and a jumper, after that, why can't I have, why can't I purchase either secondhand yeah. clothes from the opportunity shops or brand new underwear and a pillow? Yeah. Yes. And give so it people also, donating all this stuff. I get it. They want to help, but, but there's other ways to help. Yes. Yeah. And, and give it also is is that you can identify the item that you actually want to. Absolutely. Um, so you can take photos. You can identify it. You can say that it's it's well used. It's not used. It's brand new. It requires um, um, restoring. And they also do. Uh, like shopping vouchers, like calls. Uh, oh, Woolworths. absolutely, yeah. Woolworths. And that's the most important thing. Yes, and yes, also, to be able to get, you know, a hundred dollars at at a. We're not on the ABC, so I can say Bunnings or Motor Ten. Yeah. Um, to go and get a shovel, to mm. go and get some buckets, to go and get a tarp, because yeah. the insurance have come in and done make safe, but they haven't done it adequately because another storm has come, um, and 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 created more damage. Um, yeah. And around that with insurance, insurance, don't get me started on insurance. We get to be here all day. Um, so the Insurance Council of Australia, we've been working closely with as well and with um, an organisation on the internet called Solve My Claim, where you can contact them, ask questions about your insurance. You can negotiate with your insurance company. Don't take everything they say as gospel. Fight back. Yeah. That's my advice. Yeah. And that's good, good advice too. Uh, I know Centrelink, um, well, the government have got like the $1,000, but I think people in the area, maybe also like Lismore, are finding the paperwork to actually apply for is so, um, what's the word, bamboozling to say the mm. least. Yeah. For the initial $1,000, it's, it's 10 minutes. Yeah. But then there are people out there that are, getting it when they weren't seriously damaged oh tell me about it yep. people will go well i had a bit of a leak on my back veranda so i'll yeah. get the thousand dollars so all yep. that equates to money that's not going to go into other places where it should be yeah yeah it could potentially benefit a lot more people but how's yeah. the application process is more i'm talking about uh well according to um people that i know that have got it because they have been flooded yeah they've got the money in their bank account before they even hung up wow yeah so um i guess we 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 could we need to make it clear that we did have a moderate flooding event here in sussex inlet and there was damage to property and businesses were impacted. Um, I'm, it's not very clear to me exactly how many or how much or anything like that. But we just need to make it clear that we are, have not been impacted like Lismore or those other northern New South Wales 
um, centres have been. We haven't seen the, the same level of destruction and um, absolutely horrendous loss for people. Um, and yet, because of the government um, and and the Centrelink a thousand dollar, you know, uh, that you can you can get if you have been impacted. Um, I know for a fact of a number of people that have taken their thousand dollars and I don't know, they're probably helping the RSL club, the local tavern, the local bottle shop, the local, local smoking, you know, cigarette shop. So um, yeah, as, as good as that, um, uh, you know, um, helping the, the, you know, community out by this thousand dollars, one-off payment, as good as that is, there's without doubt it, it has definitely been misused by a number of people. Yes, but the, that one, that one and happen. the people of uh, Wanda Avenue would definitely need that thousand. Oh, one would hope so. One would uh, hope that they have been able to get that. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. to balance it out, was, it, unfortunately, it's like any sort of uh, government payment. There is the one percenters, as I call them, who will use everything to try and rip off the system. Yes. So the and our community is, as you say, Nikki, is no different to any other community out there. Yeah. Uh, that that does that. Yeah. But yeah. it's the ninety nine percenters that get a bad name or get the hard yeah. time yeah. Uh, as a result when they really do need that money yeah know? and what we've what we noticed previously working in that space is the good old aussie there's other people worse off than me yeah yes yeah. so so when when a disaster natural disaster happens and they're able to contact an organization like that that i worked for previously we were then able to make contact with those people and advocate and assist them navigate what services are available and provide assistance yeah. as well as the non-clinical psychosocial support so working yeah. beside people mm. prioritizing their wish list and saying okay what's first yeah you know yeah. the insurance company aren't being favorable we need to negotiate with them and advocate on your behalf with you to yeah. teach them how to do it if it happens again yes and to give them the skills and that we a... are hoping that um when i spoke to andrea Forsyth from the council <coughs> this week when they asked whether they what they could do to help, apart from me being a little bit um, sarcastic and suggesting they bring their shovels and broom and help clean up the main street or the park, which wasn't really in their brief. I was just being a little bit silly. Um, they did. We did come to that they would like to organise Service New South Wales and um, the legal service in case people were having insurance issues to come to the bolo. I think on Thursday or Friday. Yeah. And that's a really good thing because not everybody is comfortable in an internet-based application no. form or, or spending no. a while on the phone. Um, and so we thought that, and the bowling club um, are going to provide some morning tea and the chamber has some resilience money that we've been wanting to progress our thing. So I've offered that we could pay for that as part of that, um, yeah. some of our grants. And, and a lot of people got. too, not only are they not comfortable on the internet base, but even the telephone, um, non-English speaking yeah. background, um, elderly and disabled, people will quite happily or, or 
prefer to go a larger community event where they don't have to speak. They can hear yeah. other people's questions and get the answers for themselves. Okay. Well, you be yes. And on that note, I'm going to ask um, you all to give either one comment or one strategy that your number one comment or strategy on what can be done for the future. A lot of it's been covered, but what what to you is your number one? Uh, Ray? Make it hard, Des. <laughs> I, would, I would say having... Um, a proactive and um, what am I looking, the word I'm looking for is seen recovery and resilience committee that is um, noticed and recognised by the whole of the community that can work with people of all walks of life to support them through any disaster that may happen. Yes, and Nikki, um, I would encourage everyone to be prepared because a lot of people didn't so the the event started the Tuesday before last um we we got a whole lot of sandbags and then by the end of that week we'd had the inundation and then it by Friday it was going away and then it came and it was worse than we had anticipated or thought or had ever seen before for us. So we were prepared, but as I said, I don't know how you teach other people to be prepared. People want the sandbags to be there just for them at any time that they want them. They don't, they're not, as this is a general community, um, they're not really planning to be prepared. I guess you don't believe it's going to happen is part of that. Um, and how you try and get people more prepared, I'm really not sure. But I think there's there's an element of people, we because we live where we were, we live and we've experienced what we've experienced, we knew to be prepared. But there's a lot of people who don't understand what that means to be prepared. Well, I know myself from the bushfires. I thought I was prepared until it happened. Yeah. And then I realised how underprepared I really was because it was yeah. my first bushfire. Yeah. I've never lived in bushfire territory before. Yeah. Uh, Sandra, uh, your number one uh, strategy or comment that you'd like to make? Well, I'd like to reinforce Ray's. That's my goal. Um, and I'm hoping that we can progress that. But I'm also with reinforce Nikki's. But, and I think there's preparedness from an individual. We all have to take responsibility for ourselves. But I also want council to be to show leadership in preparedness, yeah. um, because I think that if they are leading the preparedness, um, I know organisations like the Fire Brigade, you know, they do regular um, handing out things to help prepare. But sometimes I think they get frustrated that people don't take any notice. So people, like Nikki said, have to take responsibility for themselves. We all do. And, and prepare for what suits our kind of situation. But I think for our council, um, I think there's a cynicism in the community that the council are really not interested and that they're not really taking a notice. So whether that's true or not, that's the sense we have. And so I think that we need to see listening. I want people to listen to the intelligence of each local community, to those yeah. bushfire people, the people who have lived in a particular place for a long time who know how things behave. 
you know, for fire, people like Graham Williams knows exactly how a fire is going to behave for Sussex. He can pick it. He's our local, was our fire um, long-time captain, and he's amazing. But we need to capture that knowledge so that other people, because when Graham's not here advising the younger people about, you know, that, that how things go, we've got to make sure that that knowledge gets transferred um, but we've got to listen to the knowledge and then inform the actions. Yes, and I understand the cynicism. We've only got to look at the roads around Sussex uh, and the the lack of proactive, um, and I emphasise the word proactive, road maintenance. What I noticed was the sections of Sussex Inlet Road, which is your main road in from the highway, the sections that they had totally regraded or upgraded didn't have potholes so they can do the job properly when they try mm. and it didn't have potholes in the latest that all the potholes are where they just you know some in a bit, of, bit of fill yeah. and patch them up sort of thing and yeah. uh, don't get me started on potholes and look i have to say having driven to um Kadmira on friday Mm. Um, you you have a crater, not a pothole, um, <laughs> halfway out. It's it's yes. very dangerous. It almost takes up whole one side of the road. And well, so if you couldn't swerve off the road, either left or right, you'd be in trouble. Yeah. Um, and at night, it's unbelievably difficult to see. And so, you know, a, a pothole might normally be, you know, um, say 40 50 centimetres across, but this is like half the road. Mm. Well, um, so. I, the, other, I, the other night, because I'm a night worker, so uh, avoiding these potholes at night when you can't see them no. or when you're driving in the rain and they fill up and you think you've got road and it's actually water uh, is rather challenging, to put it mildly. But on mm. the way... On the way uh, in from Sussex Inlet Road to the bridge, little bridge over Swan Lake, um, that's going into Cudmira, there were at least seven potholes. On the way to go back to Sussex Inlet Road, so we're going north this time from the bridge to Sussex Inlet Road, there were 20 mm. on that, that side of the road. Not to yeah. mention on the, on the intersection, the... The T junction intersection for uh, for the Springs Road and Gunawara Drive, which is the road I live in, there were three potholes right in the middle of the intersection. So your problem is is that if you can't swerve left and you can't swerve right, or if you swerve you right, you're going into on, potentially ongoing traffic. You've got to go on the opposite side of the road if you're lucky. Uh, and there's no traffic. You, you you literally have to come to a just about a dead stop. You're right. Yeah. Can I say one thing because tricky. I do have to go? Is yes. Uh, and in regards to insurance, is photos, 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 and take more photos. Absolutely. So when when things start to happen, as you notice, and you're preparing yourself, as all part of the preparedness that Nikki's been talking about, is take photos of what's in your cupboards. Okay. Yeah. Sue and I have written a little poem. Um, so we like to end our lives and that on a little poem, so it won't take uh, long. Uh, and the poem is called Sussex Inlet, the Forgotten New South Wales Rural South Coast Town. Uh, Sue, would you like to start, please? Sure. As the rain came down from the heavenly skies, 
the waters just continued to rise. People anxiously watched the rising of the tides, wondering why governments continued to deny. A small rural town, paradise on earth, was once again forgotten, too small for its worth. The community was left to give it their all, even the shirts off their backs to answer the call. Watching the floodwaters continue to rise, so did the anxiety from the people inside. It's only minor, the authorities tried to say, as they lazily continued on with their delays. The announcement came for one and all to make their way to the assembly point hall. The announcement came a day too late. People had to walk in waters of a murky state or remain trapped alone in their homes as the waters swirled and began to foam. The Australian community continually heard of the terrible devastation of the floodwaters to Queensland, northern New South Wales, and even Sydney destinations. But little was heard of the communities on the New South Wales South Coast trying to prepare as best they could rather than give up the ghost. SES and Faris, businesses, clubs and neighbours banded together one and all, helped each other where they could whilst hoping the flood water levels would stall. But sadly, yet again, Sussex Inlet copped the flood. People losing belongings, their homes, all their stuff. Insurance companies, well, we know they are duds, refusing flood cover, expecting people to pay with their blood. Increasing the anger, distress and personal financial breakdown for the people living in this small rural town. A forgotten community is how the Sussex Inlet people feel, to contend with continual natural disasters alone is indeed very real. On one last note, the community wants to be heard by governments and services requesting the right password to unlock their willingness to implement as a priority strategies to create resilience for the communal majority. Before the next disaster does hit this ball, community yet again, as Mother Nature and climate change simply cannot be slain. The community does know how floods and bushfires affect one and all. They want the tools to keep safe if and when the next disaster does fall. How can we go to the next town's evacuation centre, they ask, when the highway is closed due to the inclement weather so fast? So please, powers to be, come to the table in an open way for this small community to live another day. In this very lovely part of Australia's countryside, where Mother Nature deals out bushfires, storms, high winds and rising tides. And uh, Penny, for your thoughts, just quickly. Lovely. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and it encompasses the whole thing. It does, and I and I think you'll find that that um, Sussex isn't the only forgotten town. Absolutely, <laughs> we 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 tend to say down if you know the slogan Sussex Inlet, yeah. the best kept secret. Yeah. Uh, in Australia, 
Well, it yeah. seems it's so well kept as a yeah. secret. <laughs> Everyone ignores it. Everybody ignores. Uh, yes. But right. no, that, I'm just on a lighter note that, you yeah. know, yes, we, we do realise. And also, I think we'd all like to extend our um, support to the people in the northern New South Wales and even the Sydney regions who have been yeah. very heavily affected, you know, yeah. by floods. Yeah. Uh, this is not a go at them in any way, shape no. or form. And yeah. we want to really make that uh, understood. Our hearts do go out to you all. Yes, I'd like to take the um, opportunity to thank you, lovely ladies, for giving us your time and your expertise. You are a credit to your communities and um, good work. And let's hope we move forward in a more positive way. And on that note, this is Desley Casey's uh, saying bye for now. Thank you for watching or listening and hope you have a great day. Thank you. Bye, bye girls. Bye.